Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of Utopia to Me with me, your host, Chris Locke. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I wish I could reach my hand out of your earbuds and just shake uh, one of your hands that you have uh, inside your mind. Listen, it's part two uh, of Peter Stevens on Utopia to Me. I'm excited because there's even more crazy ideas and, uh, and big laughs this time. Uh, if you like the first episode, it gets even crazier and keeps going. So welcome back to Peter Stevens, huge, who's also a huge fan of Utopia to me, was dying to get on. The guy showed up at my house with like lists and lists. He's a teacher, okay? So he had like really uh, responsibly written and functionally formulated lists of utopian ideas on his laptop the whole time scrolling through being like oh this one this one this one this one so it was like a blast and uh yeah just to reiterate he's one of toronto uh canada's funniest comedians improvisers and sketch writers writes for cbc uh irrelevant show and uh and uh you gotta see his sketch troupe elephant empire his sketches will blow your mind and so we're just gonna dive right back in uh i'm hanging out here bernadette is uh Sitting by uh, the TV for some reason. I think she the TV just, just turned off and it's warm. So maybe she's like, mm, warm vibes from the TV. Actually, she knows what I'm talking about. Her, Hey, Bernadette, why are you sitting over there? She hates me. All right, here we go. Part two, Peter Stevens. It's so much fun. Enjoy. This is episode two of Peter Stevens. Woo! Starting now. We didn't stop, man. We went from the first one. We yeah. Were, we've been having a great conversation since. Yeah. The first one we went nuts too. We talked about sur- government surveillance, beating the dinosaurs, um, watching a fish watch us while we die, rave funerals, rave funerals. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, trying to learn about our own colonization while feeling terrible about the what happened between. Uh, you know to the aboriginals yeah a sensitive man's guide to history yeah how do you learn about the horrible things yeah how do you uh, you can't how can you separate it you shouldn't probably right uh colonizing because we were talking about colonizing other planets yes which i was for but and i was for too if we do it in a new uh evolved sensitive way but you didn't mind killing uh flies that talked yeah. Like bugs that talk. You know what? History is not going to look at that decision by me kindly. <laughs> but we're going to colonize this talking fly planet. We're just going to brutalize them all. And we're going to go, they're, they're only flies. And then later we're going to look and go, we are brutes. Oh, and also you thought the royal family was nonsense. Yeah. And I, this I, is basically, I, I'm okay this with is the part royal two family. Of I want a, them to know they're nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically part two of, uh, a podcast with Peter that is just basically huge ideas. <laughs> All right. Huge ideas. Okay. Two sensitive men that... Um, you know what? Likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you listened to the last one. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah, Welcome back. There we go. I'm ready to get rolling here. Okay. I got one for my utopia. We have fresh tea. We got fresh tea. We're fresh up. <laughs> We're ready to go. I'm, they- look at the way I'm sitting. I feel like a racer on the starting block. Yeah, you I love so- it. <laughs> I also oh we uh, one I another one other thing that I thought was neat Chris feels different from the first one was women being covered up oh, or yeah. no people, people people yeah sorry yes I I just automatically because yeah people being covered up more 
to uh, create a more eroticism through our imagination. Yeah. Build the eroticism back up. Yeah, imagine if there was a wall between us all the time. You and me, me and you, listener, <laughs> between everyone. Oh, I'd be all, so horny. You only had your <laughs> imagination. <laughs> <laughs> they could look like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, um, you ready for this? Yeah, you got some ideas that we didn't get before, so what's that? In my utopian world, and we can do this today, if you're out there and you agree with this, we can do this today. Maybe you already do it. We don't compliment people for things they didn't choose. So we only give compliments for things that people chose. But you, in my utopia, you would never say, oh, you have beautiful eyes. That is an insult. It's insulting. Is it? You didn't choose that. My favorite thing about you is something you happen to be genetically born with. That's a disgusting thing to say to another human being. Yeah. Oh, I love Chris. I love your height. Right. Great. So that's how you connect. It's very with me? superficial. Su- superficial. Yeah. And it doesn't celebrate a person's personality or right. choices. Their choices. Their spirit. If you put contacts in, mm-hmm. really stylish. Uh, then nice lightning eyes. Lightning bolts on your eyes. You can say that's a choice. Yeah. You could say nice eyes. Or like one lightning bolt and one storm. And you're like, this is how I feel some days. But then just a stormy day. That's why I have. Bo- so maybe you won't compliment it in the end. That's kind of a awful fashion choice. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, just aesthetically, you'll be like, I can't compliment this can't BS. Compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you did like it, that's something you would compliment. Yeah, but you want compliments that uh, speak to the human being's soul. Speak to their... Yeah, I don't believe in the soul. So, (laughs) Chris did a double take straight out of a 90s frat boy comedy. Oh my God, you're going to hell. When the keg arrives. You're going to hell. Oh, Oh, let me guess. You don't believe in hell. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't know about a soul either. It's kind of an abstract, uh, cartoony, uh, romantic, poetic thing. But but, but the essence of the person, the spirit of the person. The essence or spirit of the person? You don't believe in the essence either. If it's made up of things they chose about themselves, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can celebrate it. Gee, this is an interesting convo. Does a person... Like, you think that uh, the the way a person's personality is made up is a series of choices only? No, it's not. Yeah. It is made up of our environment, all sorts of influences. Yeah. But what I feel compliments are about are celebrating the choices that we made. That's how I think people end up growing self-esteem. What about when someone's a baby things? and you can already tell their personality already? Where did that come from? Why do you need to compliment a baby, first of all? <laughs> I'm not talking about complimenting. Hey, baby. Yeah. You don't compliment. You neg babies. You don't compliment them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You hold babies. But where does a personality come from if it hasn't even been had? uh, There are, you you know, you can tell the personality of a a little baby. Yeah. Before all that uh, environment and everything has taken its effect. Interesting. So you feel wherever you're babyness was wherever you were born that's what i meant to say we usually say born i'm basically saying before was. you were born before every human god-loving christian is born yes. no, i'm just joking 
Uh, God sticks his index finger into your gray matter yeah. and presses stirs a little. Stirs it up. And stirs that's it your up. personality. Yeah. So you're saying that's genetic, so don't compliment personality. By the way, I'm not religious if you're listening to them being super sarcastic. Uh, by the way, I'm super <laughs> religious, and I struggle with this question about <laughs> hell every day that a child once told me, which was, if I go to heaven... But my friend's not there because they were bad and went to hell. How is that heaven for me? <gasps> I struggle with that every day. Did a kid tell you that? <laughs> Kids say the darndest thing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. This is not heaven. Kevin is not here. Yeah. No heaven without Kevin. No heaven without Kevin. And we <laughs> talked about it, this kid and I. And I said, well, maybe, uh, you know, God. So this is true. I'm not a pro-heaven guy. Like, I, I mean... Uh, I'm a pro-heaven guy, heaven on earth, Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> I'm saying I'm not uh, an expert, I guess, on heaven. Right. But I imagined, I told this Are kid, you really a religious person for real? Super religious. I know who's going to hell or not. <laughs> I know the 40,000 who are going. He gave me a really sly shake of the head, guys. No, guys, I'm all religions. <laughs> I'm in there deep. All religions. Every single just one, yeah. shooting out of your hands like fireballs. If you don't know about Buddhism, Buddhism is great. You've got to read the founding story of Buddhism. Yeah. All religions as like the rituals and all of the obsession stuff later, the institution's awful. But right. all the founding stories are really beautiful. About and actually everyone... Got, Gautama, what's his name? Yeah, yeah. Like Buddha. Uh, Gautama Siddhartha. Gautama. Siddhartha, yeah. right. Yeah. The story of Siddhartha is a beautiful story. Which one? The actual Buddha or the Siddhartha by Herman Hess? Uh, Herman Hess kind of tries to capture. It's, Herman so, Hess uh, made me uh, think of a German being excited about learning Buddhism himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Meditate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like, nothing Her, is everything. Her, Siddhar- read Siddhartha if you haven't. You'd love it. It's on my list of everyone. Check humanity's reading list. Can I tell you a story about Siddhartha? I was reading it actually the only... The book or the guy? The book. Okay. By Herman Hess. Yeah. I actually only got around to reading it a few years ago. Yeah. And... Uh, Kathleen and I were visiting a cottage um, in Muskoka here in Ontario. If you don't know, it's a pretty wealthy area for wealthy cottages. And these family friends, it was like this rich people. uh, The woman saw me reading Siddhartha and she's like, oh, my God. And I didn't. I, this woman was weird to me for other reasons too. Uh-oh. Like, oh, you're a comedian. You're not very funny. <laughs> oh, she's cool. Like that kind of person. <laughs> and then, uh, but so, uh, so I already had that like yeah. uh, against her in my yeah. mind. Like, ugh. anyways. So the next day, she saw me reading Siddhartha down by the dock, by the lake. Oh, you're reading Siddhartha. She's like, I remember that book. I read that. I can't believe people think like that. <laughs> and I was like, "You're toast to me. What's wrong with you? That's just, this is such a this is such a nice book. That is my favorite Muskoka moment I've ever. But doesn't heard it of. seem reasonable to be a Muskoka moment? It that is that's my problem. Wow. I with think we'll talk about wealth distribution. I think later on. <laughs> later on in this, this particular oh part, or we God. can get into it now. No, it's great. No, uh, anything you you have your list there. Siddhartha's kind of a strange book because the main character's name is Siddhartha, and then he right. meets Siddhartha Gotama. G- Gotama. Dur- yeah. It's like just stick with one Siddhartha Hess. I I'm honestly uh, Herman Hess was just it's he was obviously excited about learning all this yeah. like within the probably previous two years before he wrote the book. It's a beautiful book, and the the core message is we only learn through experience and it's really great to get that knowledge through that book 
Yeah. Also, I feel like one of the messages is just take it easy, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he goes through so many great phases. I pick up Siddhartha today. I think since you have listened to a bunch of these Utopia to Me episodes, thank you very much, by the way, uh, you might notice that I allude to Taoism a lot. Oh. Do you ever get into that? I I haven't. Maybe. No, I can't remember. Because that. it's kind of like uh, the, uh, you know, a preliminary version of Buddhism before Buddhism. Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's its own, it's got its own rich tradition, and then Buddhism kind of merged with it. You got to have Taoism, and Taoism, yeah. Buddhism going on in China. But yeah, it, like, the Taoists, I, I was writing this. But Lao Tzu uh, is Chinese. Lao Tzu, so. yeah. They're like the um, alt-comedy scene of religions <laughs> if you know, like shangza that makes me feel terrible oh man but i love him shangza's the best he's got this story about a butcher that knows how to move his uh machete through a cow it's beautiful oh man yeah he- it doesn't hit any tendon any bone nothing it's just a groove baby <laughs> <laughs> He's got this one about a guy beat. All Shengzi does is tell short stories, and yeah. then you got to think about it. But some of them are yeah. like, "There's really one reason." He's cheeky. He's like, I'm thinking what that, you know, I know what that fish is thinking. And another philosopher's like, "How do you know? How do you know what that fish is thinking?" And yeah. then Shengzi's like, "How do you know? I don't know but what he, that fish is thinking." Yeah. <gasps> and yeah. <laughs> And he's like, the fact that you already inferred that, how do I know, in, like, uh, yeah. infers that you Whoa, you're a real ass- assume that I know. Guys, pick up Shangza today. But I've never said it the way, I've never said Shangza, I always say Shangzu. Oh, say Shangzu. Yeah. Say Sartre instead of Sartre. No, honestly, oh, I'm not a cares? Sartre guy. Come who on. Who cares about the words? If you guys who listen cares? to episode, the it's first the one of Peter Stevens, we had a the whole Sartre ideas. thing. This is a real wank fest. It's a tragedy to, to obsess over the pronunciation of something when really the beauty of ideas is when it hits you and washes over you and well, you go, I see the world in a different way now. It's funny because Josh Gondelman, a very hilarious uh, comedian and writer from New York, was on two episodes ago, and we had a little discussion about pho, which is actually fa. He calls it fa. Yeah. And I'm I'm still a guy that calls it pho, like a real uh, redneck idiot. Yeah. Oh, I say pho as well. I remember being in Vietnam. Yeah. There's lots of people there, lots of young people who, who uh, want to practice English, and will speak to you. Yeah. And I was hanging out, and I remember asking them, how do I, I'd like to say it, you know, properly, yeah, I guess properly in Vietnamese, and they and they had that rising intonation. It's like huh? and I was like, huh? oh, okay, I heard it, and I and I copied it, and they laughed and laughed, and I tried yeah, again, course. and they laughed and laughed, <laughs> and I tried again, and I was like, you know what? It's full. <laughs> and they were like, okay, okay, that's a, you, we get it, because there is an, a, an insane uh, by uh, what I understand insane accent on top of the O, yeah, which just looks bonkers, yeah. And I, uh, I'll get it. I'll practice. Pho? I'll get it. Pho? Yeah. Can I have some pho? Pho? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a question. That's nice, though, that they laughed at you. I think it must For be. Sure. It must I'm... like it was an enjoyable experience. You know what? One thing I love. This is nothing to do with utopia. Maybe in my utopia, this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. One thing I love is to ask people who don't speak a certain language to do that language in gibberish. 
So, for yeah. instance, I don't speak German, but if I start going, we're like, oh, those are some of the sounds of German. Yeah. Or, you're like, what was that? Gibberish? Yeah, Italian. Yeah, we get it. What does English sound like? You know what? I've seen like other European comedians do uh, gibberish English. Yeah. I forget. No, I think there's videos on YouTube of someone. I forget where they're from. Uh, somewhere else, but they do gibberish English, and it's so funny. It's amazing because we don't know how to do it until you see someone that's not English do it, and it's really funny. My friend Raquel, I Raquel, I owe you so much for this. She recorded her friend in Barcelona uh, speaking gibberish English. And yeah, all I remember was that it sounds like this. This is what English sounds to a Spanish speaker in Spain in Barcelona. Her yeah, Raul. Earl, Rawl, Rawl, Earl? <laughs> I'm like, Rawl, Earl? That's not what I sound like at all. Yeah, I remember the video I saw, too, of the person doing that. The R's were huge. Yeah. How we go, we rawr, 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 Yeah. Or, yeah, rawr, 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 Yeah, I don't know. Now I sound like, you can't do it yourself if you're an English first no, person. Yeah. You can't. Okay, sorry. Okay, we, yeah. we got digressed no, uh, we're from going right back to back to your list. Okay. Tour it. Speaking of travel. Oh, this are little this is your list of little utopian ideas to boost the world. This is just yeah, we got our world now. Yeah. This would just up our game a bit and we could do it tonight. Wait, is this the first list? Yeah, I got three lists. I keep jumping back and forth. Yeah, okay, whatever then. We'll just fi- we'll okay. you bring up the topic. This is a wicked one. This is a wicked yeah. one cuz we were talking about travel. Yeah, okay. Okay. Every city has a simu maybe not every but we have a simulation center mm-hmm. so instead of getting on a plane and going to see the mona lisa or going into a pyramid you just go downtown and you go to the place and they recreate it exactly you pay your 10 bits and you've done it right boom save on air travel so cut back on the carbon footprint hugely by enjoying a synthetic version of where you would have gone okay this is even though it's synthetic that i know i made it sound bad by doing yeah and i think people probably would make it sound bad but you could blindfold them walking in and they would not know if they were there or not it is the authentic experience it is the authentic experience you have Leonardo DiCaprio's Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm saying if you've seen the Mona Lisa on Google Images, mm-hmm. you've had the authentic experience of seeing the Mona Lisa. No. You want to see it on the with the background white wall and all these tourists around it and with some plastic or some bulletproof glass in front of it? Sure. Some old man eating a banana. We'll set that up for you. And then you'll have the authentic experience of being there and seeing it. But you won't have to travel. Some sort of foreign experience dome. Yeah. Yeah. You pay 10 bucks and you can do it all. Pyramid here, Angkor there, whatever you want. Great Barrier Reef diving. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, but... I'm a little wary of that because it sounds a little bit like a control thing for uh, the country, like the government. Yeah. You know, it's kind of keeping its people uh, sequestered in their own little safe zone. Part of traveling is also part of the still having a freedom. You know what I mean? 
to do what you wish. Okay, if you're into that kind of travel, maybe your you uh, experience to- dome. Uh, there's still a part point where you have to show your passport. <laughs> yeah, you got to show your passport. I'm drawing a huge distinction between tourism and travel. Okay, you want to go see the Mona Lisa and just check your boxes. You go to your whatever center. I see. If you want to travel, so you're not like cutting back on a freedom of traveling. No, but I think we'd see a lot less travelers, uh, and a lot and less. Do you think a lot of people travel just to say I did the thing? Yep. And it has nothing to do with actually digging the authentic experience. Yep. Well, digging the authentic. I think they think. I've been to this spot. I've taken my photo. I now can authentically say I'm there, and that gives me my self-image that I wanted. The travel experience I I would promote, if you still want to do this, is you get lost, you are humble, you meet people who don't think the way you think, and you have to accept that that's normal to them, and you start to realize what you think is maybe not normal to, you know, there's normal is relative. Yeah. Instead of going to the Mona Lisa and checking your box. If you want to check your box, that's fine. That's cool. Go to your local Sim Center. The Sim Center? Simulation Center? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You down? Yeah. Great. What's next? Um, I do get it now. Okay. The Canadian Senate. Mm-hmm. So the Senate is a bunch of old people who are appointed. Right. Here's how we freshen up our government. Right. It's inspired by the Greeks. This is a real utopian idea for me. Okay. You randomly, by lottery, you select the Senate out of all Canadian citizens. They get a government salary of $130,000 a year, and they serve for a few years on the Senate. Even if we've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> it's by lottery. Yeah. You're in by lottery. Same as jury duty. Okay. I guess they kind of vet some of them, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Senate by law. That is risky. What? What's risky? I democracy? Don't... Having the people who are part of the democracy, part of the decision-making? Is that risky, Chris? For those of you who aren't here, Chris is now walking around the room like a dictator, just kind of telling who has to be where because he doesn't believe in the people's choice. I'm looking out my front window giving cut-eye to dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> So that's really well. The Senate doesn't have unlimited power. I don't like how politicians. I, I think if you choose to be a politician, for the most part, yeah. I think the uh, the like, and you know, I like I said it in the first episode with us. I'm not a very political guy. Yeah. So this is all just goofs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But like, not for me. <laughs> this, is this, very, is, this is all bylaws. This is me. very serious. This very is, real. These are all bylaws I'm passing right now. Um, I think like if you choose like the whole um, what's it called? Like it's if you choose to be a politician, you're weird. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because you think that you need to be you, the 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 leader, right? In a way, like it's. The nobility is gone. It used to be being about politician, being a politician, maybe, maybe, maybe there never was nobility and maybe that was like Hollywood made that up where it's like, I'm going to be the man that changes it for the people. You know what I mean? Maybe that never existed. Maybe it is always about power, connections and business. I think you're right. That's how I feel. Because I, I, I think, 
I used to think, oh, the nobility in being a politician is definitely gone. But maybe what's gone is my naivete about it from when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. Maybe it was never noble, and maybe it was always like a weird ego uh, power trip to be a politician, and it was about power and money and greed. I think there's truth to that, and I think you get that kind of personality type in your leadership, and that's why I want the Senate to be by lottery to spice up the perspective with the spice of actual Canadians. Now, on the other hand, Uh maybe a headstrong assertive person is good and this is devil's advocating it yeah a person that is connected with business yeah. and not, like for instance like a dictator who would just organize <laughs> us all militarily chris look what happened <laughs> bloodbath <laughs> <laughs> but there are still people that would uh, end up in the senate that are I'm, boneheads my, i'm not saying let's randomly select the prime minister all of those yeah. people still exist. Okay. Just one House of God, even the House of Commons, it's still elected. Everything oh, is okay. normal. But the Senate, which mm-hmm. is right now just old people yeah. who are on the payroll and who yeah. don't work, are replaced by Canadians educating themselves and saying what they think about each issue. Passionate they, people. Re- or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. do you think everyone I think everyone's passionate in the right conditions? Uh they would be conditioned to be passionate because it would be in their face 24/7. Man, $130,000 a year, get passionate. Yeah. You know, go down to the Sim Center. Well, I should be passionate. They're paying me well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Big one. Yeah. I got a big one to shake up our world. Okay. I'm going to shake this whole thing up right now. And you at home, too. And this yeah. lady up in Muskoka we talked about. Yeah. Oh, she's listening to this for sure. She's very interested. I can't believe they think like that. I can't believe kind people exist. That was her pull away in her super large boat on a small Muskokan lake. <laughs> yeah, lady. Exactly. Yeah. The fish are wearing earmuffs. I got to read James Patterson. <laughs> I'll yeah. just get my guy to describe it to me. I'm busy. Oh, I... no. There's 99% cocoa all over my book. <laughs> <laughs> I left it in the sun. <laughs> oh, are you? We're pretty sensitive. Like, I just picture her hearing that and looking at her cocoa covered book and being like, they know Cocoa covered books. They know me mo- too well. In Muskoka now, you can go to the corner store and buy cocoa covered books already. <laughs> That's how pathetic it is. It's like pre love. These are pre not paid attention to. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. But I can put this out and people will think, oh, wow. Yeah, and now we sell uh, uh, bad children from private schools with cocoa all over them too. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe people thought of that oh wow hi tim why are you so bad okay. shut up this is dedicated to her and tim and tim this yeah. is about tim i hope tim uh pulls it together we gotta change the game you and me here right now we gotta figure it out on the couch on inheritance okay we gotta change the game on inheritance what do i need to do what's our rules people are inheriting fortunes and yeah. it's staying in the family mm-hmm. and it's dead money because right. it doesn't it doesn't reward merit. It doesn't increase creativity. So I think after a generation or two, you can keep what you added on, but you got to get the lumps, the nest egg back into the pot. Do you know that I was just reading an article the other day about how Bill Gates and his wife, they, they are some of the most charitable people, obviously, because of all their millions. Ugh. 
<laughs> but apparently he's convincing <laughs> his other super billionaire rich uh friends to <clears throat> excuse me like get rid of their riches like yeah by the end of their lives yeah of course i think that's really neat because there's something shameful about oh, dying lay into you with, about this what, oh there's something really neat shameful about, about dying yeah. uh still mega rich okay here's what i 100 percent have to say to that yeah and bill gates i actually i'm really inspired by bill gates this was he just is, an article i was reading he is very charitable but hold on a second <laughs> okay. hold on a second anyone worth billions of dollars knows something is up. Look a billionaire in the eye. Look a billionaire in the eye. They know something's up. They know something's wrong. Gates knows something's wrong. He's like, this is weird. Yes, I did something creative. He's kind of the one of the the example we like because he's a real entrepreneur. You mean something wrong with how he was rewarded for his work. The disproportionality. Right. The major way to make big money is to have big money. Right. So once you start making those mega, there's no word for it. Mega bucks doesn't cover it. What's yeah. a better word? Uh, bazillion a ruse. Bazillion a ruse. Once <laughs> you start making those ruse. <laughs> yeah, they're just ruse now. I think you wake up in the middle of the night like the queen and just think. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a not, fraud. I, yeah, something corrupt is going on. Yeah. People are dying, and this I'm not even doing anything. Yeah, I'm not even doing anything to get all this. So, do you think so that he's think such a, a charitable billionaire? It's like, yeah, no, you but owe so it you, to society. So, do you think that he is a philanthropist now because he's basically haunted by the ghost of Jacob Marley? I think Marley's doing some work there, both yeah. Bob and Jacob, <laughs> on his soul. But I think as well, he's an entrepreneur, and after he created Microsoft, he was like. I can't live without solving problems, malaria. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just. I, I well, love charitable it. foundations also do uh, make like uh, tons of money. Like it's crazy. Oh yeah, that's the number one industry to be in—the charitable business. They're all billionaires. It's true. Is it? Uh, well, according to this thing I was reading. Oh yeah. Just the idea of get, that's such a Western well, idea. Well, like, like uh, I want to uh, help. Yeah. Give money. Yeah. Well, I've got a company that helps. We raise two million dollars uh, and we give away one million. Yeah. And the the amazing thing is, you can't criticize it because I was about to lay into the cancer, like charity industry. Mm-hmm. But oh, really? You can't criticize trying. This to is cure. a very controversial two episodes. So let me let me straighten this out before I'm. Oh no, it's already blowing up on Twitter. Oh no! <laughs> Can I just say Death that threats? But I'm a white male too. Sorry. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Can I just say that I am an objective observer of no this? Going to come after me? Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm an objective observer that allows people to speak their mind on my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Go attack yeah. the uh, cancer charities. It's 100 <laughs> percent working on a cure for cancer is important. It's too late. I'm already done. But uh, this Western concept of like, I want to help. Throw money at it. I want to help. Throw money at it. With no understanding of where money goes, you know, what, how many different organizations, what are their methods? Are we just funding agencies to collect more money? What actually gets results? Instead of look at that, you know, I, let's speed up the cure for cancer. Let's look at who's getting results and try to up what they have. Instead of like, 
I don't want cancer. I'll give you money. I don't want this. I'll give you money. So regular charitable people, you're saying, don't do the research behind who they're giving the money to, which yeah. it could be more valuable to do that before giving any money. I just In my utopian society, we don't give money straight up. We think about it. And we want to hear you know what why this is we want to hear from experts we want to hear from people to be like yeah this organization this is good instead of just this general stamp of like yep giving money helps because we know it doesn't giving money i'm not talking about cancer now i'm just talking straight up about money you don't solve problems remember you know your uncle who's going through a hard time right now and he's on your couch you don't just give him ten thousand dollars and that like solves it you know, right. he's asking for it. He wants it. Look at his business plan. There's holes through the whole thing. <laughs> you know? Anyway. So what do you do? You just um, pay for his enrollment in a business school? Yeah, you can give him some money, but you got to see that business plan. You got to like, let's, you know, the the nitty gritty, The I guess the real takeaway is just throwing money at it is only for our own guilt and our own hope that we can do something. It's the same as liking something on Facebook. Right. Yes, it is doing something, but it is strange that we don't want to know what that thing is we're doing. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. Hmm. That said, sponsor me in the cancer walk. I'm walking for cancer, and I'm raising money. I think it's interesting because, uh, yeah, you're basically putting your finger on the fact that people um, do walk around with a guilt complex consistently, uh, but then um, have these kind of like quick, easy ways of uh, alleviating alleviating themselves of that guilt and moving on instead of, uh, yeah, analyzing uh, what the core problem is. Yeah. It came out for me. I, I kind of expanded this idea to the cancer fundraising industry, but that red campaign for AIDS in Africa, that campaign blew my mind because it was like we're branding this idea of red by red gear and you're fighting AIDS in Africa. Which is killing what a thousands di- of people, real people. But even to say Africa, what a disrespectful concept. Oh, of like right, right. Botswana, like Egypt. Yeah. It's like like where Sierra Leone the way, we're like we don't want to hear that. It's right. just some vague idea and it's like we that one just up the gear on vagues and we're like throw a 20 at it and I'm good. It's like no, it's not a good. A 20 at an abstract concept of Africa. At a brand. Ugh. Wow, that's great. Anyway, Interesting. It's too late. I'm already dead on Twitter. Spoke Wh- against fundraising. What's the obviously what, Sarah Palin really remember oh, she no, thought uh, Africa was a country? Yeah. Yeah. Did she? Yes. I I wonder sometimes, does she play into it? Like the dits? Yeah, because they have the middle America. I want to vote for a Does it seem like any of them play into it? That'd Mm -hmm. be a huge game. (laughs) George Bush is a... (laughs) George Bush Jr. Senior is pretty wicked. If you've read his autobiography, it's like, what? But anyway... I didn't read it. You read it? Maybe he's the greatest character actor of all time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ending inheritance. I guess whatever. We'll just move on. We. I. You just don't that. want huge money thrown around willy nilly, uh, without sort of like a. Here's where there's a foundation behind it for something greater towards the greater good for all of us. The, I want merit. 
to be rewarded. Okay. I am very lucky, uh, way above my uh, contributions to society. And I've yeah. been sent around the world teaching kids. It's part of my job. Yeah. Comedian, and I teach and travel, if you're just tuning in. Oh, right. I, we established that in the first episode. Sorry. I remember I, one, I spent... Uh, I'll say that in the uh, intro, too. I spent some time in Monaco, <laughs> and there were people on the beach there, and they're all filthy rich. Mm-hmm. And my- I spent some time in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, or Saigon in Vietnam, and I met this guy who works... 18 hours a day or more. He was learning English. He has no education from the government, really. He mm-hmm. moved to the city. He's learning Mandarin at a restaurant because he's like the future of tourism is in Mandarin. And I was like, this guy is the hardest, Mung was his name, was the hardest working person I've met. He's the hardest working person I've met. Right. He's working very hard. And is he in his life going to be rewarded proportionally? That person on the beach in Monaco, just rolling around out there. Yeah. When you, if you put it on a graph, do they work as hard? I don't know. I just want merit to be rewarded. He's working for those really rich people that are just like soaking in the sun. <laughs> They're like roll around on the beach. We want to see it go. He's like, no. Like, so what do you think about athletes then? What Professional about, athletes. What about athletes? And how much they get made? Their contracts are insane. Yeah, but that whole industry is bloated. Like, it's funny that they get insane contracts, but they're still getting ripped off because the owners are getting huge money. Yeah. yeah. That's a, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Professional sports is... The core of professional sports, really, is people watching it. Yeah. So it's hard to criticize the athletes when everyone's tuning in. But, right. We choose to uh, yeah. worship it, basically. We want, gla- we want our gladiators. Wow. This is the most thoughtful... Uh... I hope my brain is still working. I'm kind of zonked. You feeling zonked? No. Let's go. I want to amp it up. Uh, Chris's eyes are closed right now because you, you can't see. He's closed and he's... I'm actually saying amp it up in a, a daydream I'm having. <laughs> amp it up. Great. I'm talking about... I'm referring yeah. to something else right now. Yeah, that's going on in my imagination. I'm watching a Jason Statham movie. <laughs> Amp it up. And Peter's yeah. just talking to me. Yeah. A sleeping man. Okay, what else? <laughs> I got- I'm not zonked, but I think this is because if you're listening to this, this is the second episode yeah. with Peter Stevens because he has he's zonked. a bazillion ruse of ideas. But we're still made all the episodes in the same day. Yeah. So it's just been like crazy idea city okay 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 you want and here one? we go yes okay there's teleportation instead of cars but let's skip that one let's skip that one <laughs> let's go right to the most funnest one <laughs> You're like, uh, okay do you think i want to ask you this do you think we could keep everything afloat right now and switch to a four-hour workday well to be honest uh-oh he's being honest in north america right yeah. From what I have witnessed, yeah. people that half the people work from home basically, yeah. not half, but you know, a good percent do. And when I did work in an office for four years, um, if everyone's honest with themselves, they're maybe working four hours a day. And that's like uh, that's like office stuff. That's like, I'm not talking about like physical labor. I don't know about physical labor. But when the construction workers work outside and they keep wake you up in the morning because they start working at 7 or whatever, 
they're usually done by noon. So maybe we're already there. I don't. I think we're in the twenty-four hour workday now. I see people. Oh, because we can't shut our minds off. Yeah, I think we've expanded the workday. Remember? Did you remember? Like Sundays used to be no shopping. Yeah, well, that was attached to a like Christian religious thing too, right? For sure. And we were like, we're not really a Christian culture, so shopping all the time. I yeah. wonder if we can revisit that and be like, this is not a Christian thing. This is a take a break. Thing. Take a damn break day. Take a damn break. Yeah, <laughs> they, they the satellites crash to Earth, and no one can social media. Yeah, but then how do I get my Sunday KFC bucket? Oh, forget it. Start it all <laughs> up, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, if we're not, I was reading about labor history and the wars in the streets of America from the ten-hour workday mm-hmm. to the eight-hour workday. And right. I was like, oh yeah, people fought for that. Yeah, I, I just want to put that out there. In my utopia, I don't know if we're there, mm-hmm. but are we thinking about the four-hour workday or are we fighting for it? Because we keep inventing new things that we're like, oh look, oh my computer, and now I can do this so quickly. Yeah, and it's like if these things are really improving productivity. Why are we on the eight-hour workday? I also agree with you that people become their job now in this culture, and they don't turn it off. Yeah. Because, we, yeah, it's obvious that, like, even people, families with kids, it's hard for them to even focus on their kids when they get home a lot of the time because they are texting, they are, they are checking emails at home, or just businesses on their mind because it's... Yeah, everything's so damn expensive here that if you snooze, you lose. And that's our culture now. Yeah. So you're constantly always like, because as a comedian, we're uh, independent businessmen and women ourselves. And so, yeah, you're kind of like sitting on a couch watching a movie sometimes, taking a break, but you're still like planning in your head, like, what's my next move? Because yeah. you're, because it's you, such a. When you did your daydream, just a couple minutes ago, you yeah, missed was, a gig for six hundred bucks. Yeah, I came through. Oh, I'm missing gigs left, right, and center. Just every time you sleep. This podcast is a huge waste of money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cash on the table. You're leaving cash on the table, Chris. I don't know. It's so, it's embarrassing. Table. Yeah, if you're listening to this, I don't know. Send me a buck. <laughs> <laughs> this is all for free. This is all for the love. I, I'm I'm one idiot that. Uh, constantly thinks about my work all the time because I love doing it. Yeah. I'm one of those idiots. Yeah. Great. You're moving our culture toward the 24-hour workday. I think it'd be cool (laughs) if when you sleep, you could visit each other in your dreams. I honestly feel like I'm advertised to in my dreams now. Yeah. Have you noticed that? I work for them. We are advertising (laughs) in your dreams. Thanks. Yeah. No, because I think... It's obviously not true. I don't think that corporations are intercepting my uh, dreams and advertising to me. But I feel like because most of the day is spent searching the online, which is always constantly advertising to you, you have this weird sort of like uh, thought pattern in your head that is used to um, like the language of advertising. So then you have these dreams where you're like, you wake you wake up like i have to buy this album like it's really fucking weird yeah like do you ever get to feel like that i don't that's nice yeah i feel really lucky yeah I, don't. I guess i don't watch a lot of ads anymore well i have blocked them all most of my media comes through yeah. online and i'm blocking ads with different uh 
so- like simple ad block software. Really? Yeah. Like even like something on the side of Facebook wall yep. or Yep. What is it? I'm so anti ads because we use Facebook with the high school students. Mm-hmm. We organize them in groups for before we go on our trip. Yeah. And I was I believe in the Ontario board of like we were always get keep ads out of the classroom. Yeah, of I'm course. Like, now they found their way in. Facebook. They're there in schools all day long. You ever talk to the kids about that? Students yeah, about it? all the time. What do they say? Uh, what does the youth... Same thing we said when we were young, man. Ads don't affect us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can still remember a million jingles from like grade eight. Yeah. And you had to buy... Every time you did the jingle, you probably forget this, but then you had to buy the product right away or you or your neck hurt. That's how good the jingles were. Wow, I'm so scared. Okay, what's next? Okay, let's do something less scary. No, it's great. Okay, more scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> time to up it. I, I've i got one here about... Um, in my utopia, it's about children. We yeah. really make children feel loved and stable. Okay. And this was a big eye-opener for me. I don't know if everyone agrees with this, but I read The Denial of Death by uh, Be- Ernest Becker... It's not a great book, but there's some great ideas in it. And one of them, he was like, the idea of death is crippling to our Mm self-esteem. And if you ever met a kid who learned about death straight up, the truth of it really early, they develop huge anxiety. Wow. So what's the book called? The Denial of Death. Oh, right. It's It's about how everyone denies death, but when you're an adult... Uh, basically a healthy childhood we straight up lie to kids i didn't used to believe this and now i'm totally on board in our my utopia we straight up lie to kids about death we straight up tell them you you know we kind of make a vague or you well that is what uh religions you used to do when they were more prevalent yeah and we're losing religious concepts i think in our culture Mm -hmm. and we're not sure what to replace it with so I'm saying, yeah, because don't that's the thing. Like, well, but, yeah, we are not religious, but it is. They, w- <laughs> there was a positive aspect to them being established over thousands of years. Yeah, and I, I totally it was agree. about the community. It was about family, and it was about a, uh, a um, you know, a collection of ethical uh, ways of thinking, morality. So. It's good to like break down the hypocrisy of religion and all that bullshit that was attached to it. It is attached to it still. But yeah. It's this universal you, story of we live on. Yeah. Because you need that for your self esteem. Because it's so. De- when you're an adult, you can be like, oh, we die and then it's all over. Great. You intellectualize but it. Also, you make maybe jokes, some sort of uh, non bullshit unifying philosophy that is empowering to living your life to the fullest. When maybe when they're thirteen or they're sixteen, and you're like, "Look," and then you're like, "Here's how it really is." You, so you are, better live hard. You bungee. are just stardust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm re- I'm really into. And the other thing I want for kids is that everything they do is. Great. I think you should tell children if you go and stand in front of an oncoming truck, yeah, you will burst into a magical rainbow of skittles. Yes, and then they're like, "That's comforting." <laughs> yeah. More truck deaths. I just think, you, <laughs> hey, you go to a place, 
It's, you know, I don't know a lot about it. Oh, look, what's this? What's on TV? (laughs) That's your utopian idea? Look, I'm just saying don't make them confront death. (laughs) If the TV's on and it's there, great. What if there's six or five Uh and a family member passes away? Yes. Where did the family member go? For sure. They've they've gone. We love them. They've we're not going to see them anymore. They've gone. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm snowballing here. Uh, sandboxing, whatever the term is, when you don't have any idea what's going on, you're trying to explain death. I'm to just sandboxing here. You give them like the heaven spiel, but you can kind of new age it. You're like they're at a disco that never dies. What's <laughs> on TV? And but you keep that yeah. conversation alive for later when they're 16 and they're like they're never coming back they're dead no one knows what happens when you die let's go bungee jumping to feel a little more alive yeah but welcome to being an adult yeah but as a kid I really do after reading Becker I'm like you you we have to protect ourselves from the truth I've never believed that before well one thing um, I do really like about how adults do deal with children in our world now is we do for the most part if you're a well-adjusted adult and parent we do for the most part shower children with a grand idea of how fun and happy life is and how you do benefit from playing and sharing and having a good life with other people i think that is part of how our culture already yes May, uh, i don't know most cultures yeah Exactly. So I don't think most, I don't think a lot of people give the hard truth about death right now. Anyways, they do probably smoke screen it a bit. It's true, but I think this our culture right now is kind of up for grabs because consumerism has got us addicted to new things. We have no time for old ideas and like religious traditions. They still pervade our culture, but we're like not interested. Right. You know, I find it so funny the rise of yoga. You know, I think we're so spiritually vapid. We attached onto yoga of like, look at this rich tradition. They have all these rich traditional answers. Oh. And then we consumed yoga and was just like, yes, now it's power yoga, a half hour better abs. What did we do? <laughs> it's not, not, not tasty anymore. Can I tell you? So can I take a quick, quick digression that you just influenced? Because we were talking about Buddhism and Taoism. I can't even remember if it was this episode or the first one. I think it was a mix of both. But... There's a part of me sometimes that worries that I'm getting this uh, super like candy coated, uh, you know, fun chocolate version of Eastern traditions, right? Like it's been like, sorry, we got distracted, Kathleen. We have to wrap it up soon, but we are going to wrap it up soon. Okay, we one got more day, 10 one minutes more. left. I got one more. I got one. Okay, great, great. But we you have, already agree? We have 10 minutes left? So like, like being in a, being a North American, oh, yeah, about 10 minutes-ish. So being like a North American or uh, yeah. Westerner, being like, I like Taoism in snippets as I yeah. race off to my job. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all religions for us, or all those religions we didn't grow up with, are de-stress tools yeah. to cope with a stressful, productive capitalist life. Or a stressful religion that we did grow up with. Oh, we're like, yeah. It's like a nice counter, it's a relaxing counter yes. religion. Because the institutions are stressful. It's basically being like, let me get in, out of this hot water into this lukewarm water. It's more yeah. comfortable. Because when we, when we like, when you and I were talking Taoism, we were talking the stories and the ideas, not the having to light stuff for your ancestors and like really observe it. Right. Yeah. So, But also, we, what do you think about like, you think we go over to China and 
right now. Japan or something right now. And everybody is super mystical. Like, that's embarrassing for us to think as well. Yes. Because they're just, like, probably working and doing their own thing, too. And they're like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess that is a part of our culture, but... Oh, it's very similar to here. Yeah. Imagine them, someone from China coming over here and going, is everyone super Christian? And you can say, you know, in in rural areas, it seems to really still be important. And yeah, you can find someone who will talk your ear off and go, that blows my mind about how... Yeah, in China, there's probably predominantly uh, dominated by people that don't have time to meditate either. You got it. It's all a romantic... It's our romantic... We live vicariously through this romantic idea of... Uh, you know, living in the mountains and the clouds are our hair. Yeah. That's how I always think of clouds. <laughs> Just combing my clouds, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You ever read any of that sort of like Zen poetry, those guys? No, I don't. They were all like, they were all outcasts of their society that lived in the mountains getting drunk. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with a guy who thinks like his hair is a cloud. Like, come on, man. Just, just well, my it, that was a poetic... Uh, great. Your beard's the river. Great. It was a poetic uh, illustration of how Shade. the clouds would be wisping by your head as you're meditating yes. up on the mountain. All right? Okay. To bring it all... This is the last idea. Is this the hammer? This is the hammer. <laughs> so we've been talking about it. In uh, This is like a tweak for this world, but in my utopia, we've always known something's up with big cities. They don't nurture us. The urban experience doesn't nurture us. Right. Here's what I really love. And I I thought of this in Brampton. This might be the last episode ever. This is the last episode ever. We've covered everything. (laughs) It all, as as we brought uh, this up in Brampton, did you say? As with civilization, it ends in Brampton. (laughs) Brampton, Ontario, by the way, is a small suburb town. Actually, actually, is it a city? A, actually, it's a growing uh, suburb. It's uh, four hundred thousand plus people. Is that true? And yeah, it's huge now. Oh my god! And it's better than Mississauga. Oh so my for god! For those of you not in this area, I started a war right there. Yeah, okay, but anyway, it's true. I grew up in Brampton. My parents. I was visiting my parents. Brampton, Ontario. And I walked to the movie theater, which was a dangerous experience. It's ten minutes from their house, and I watched Mad Max. This uh, post-apocalyptic, and I walked out of the movie theater and I looked out across the parking lot. Oh, so this was recently this Mad Max, yeah. the new Mad Max. Yeah, okay. This yeah. wasn't in like the seventies when I wasn't born. The eighties, <laughs> man. Okay, okay. I was yeah. four. I was like, no. This is the new Mad Max. I walked out. I saw the parking lot, and I was like, this is the wasteland. It's okay. We just paved everything. And there's no community. Yeah. In Mad Max, they had it good. I started to think about, like, at least they were all together. All the war trouble guys being like, hey, man, what's up? There's no community. It hits so hard. I don't know the name of everyone on my parents' street. Yeah. Uh, uh, wh- where is our community? And I was like, that's why we're staring at screens all the time. Yeah. It's like our community is not geographic. So here's the idea. In my utopian world, we need more of a geographic local community. Right. One idea is that the government pays for your block to have a block party. Okay? So you have a block party. Yeah. And on that day, you get to meet everyone. And it happens more than once. you got to know the people on your block. They're your block family. I don't Mandatory care like block parties. Man- 
mandatory is the harsh like <laughs> it's what we all want we all want community yeah we all want to see a face we recognize it yeah. is awful to our souls for maybe you chris who believes I in the soul pose this to you maybe the reason in our real world I'm now lose it the why lose it the why the reason we have I'm already losing it it's unfortunate it could be unfortunate but maybe we say we want that but didn't aren't we the ones that made ourselves evolve into this isolated self-absorbed uh mini world in our heads maybe we evolved to this point because of a deep inner selfishness that is just innate in human nature maybe we did do the community until we were uh uh had the luxury enough to not do it anymore i hear what you're saying and that's gross but i wonder (laughs) what i'm saying is i i do hear what you're saying yeah but i don't think any version of a culture is the perfect expression of what people wanted so here's the starting point we all are selfish yes 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 i'm saying you're gonna be doing a. we all want community yeah so we get community in this life we go to work and we have our work community. Yeah. You know, we have communities. Yeah, we get it in snippets. So the culture that you live in creates how you can express your want of community. Yeah. And I'm saying we need to up our game to have more encouragement for knowing the actual geographical local people in your area. Like culturally, so like, think of them as your We family. are comedians. So yeah. we go to the comedy bar yeah. here in Toronto. Yes, we do. And everybody's there and that's our community. But what you don't like about that is it's still an isolated community because it's we've basically chose the type of person we want to be surrounded with. So you I don't want, mind that. That's cool. We always. We but always, you want we, like a block party where some big weird guy in sweatpants is farting all the time, and you have to be his friend. That's this is exactly what I'm talking about. We assume the people in our lives are the ones we love, and everyone else is a farting dude in sweatpants. <laughs> They're not, man. There's cool people. I assume everywhere. people think that about me. Well, that's the problem. Then, but if they meet you, you spend time with anyone. Yeah. Do you have anyone that you go to like a convenience store and you see the same cashier? Yeah. You learn any of their names? Not really. Not even. But I one? like them. You know how seeing a face they recognize, you share a moment and you light up. We yeah. all know what that is. It's good. We yeah. like that. Yeah. Your street, our street, your whoever you live, that it's got to be full of that. So when you walk up and down, you're like, hey, there's Roger, the kid. I yeah. don't like, but he's part of the community. Yeah. Oh, there's Angela. There's this. I know them. I've had experiences with them. I'm not, I don't have to smell their farts and live in their jogging pants. <laughs> These are just faces of people I know. That's what I want. I want yeah. FaceTime with a geographic local community. Right. And I want our government to, to like, that's a government. You got to provide what we want. We want community. Give it. Stop. So then make it mandatory. Illegal sponsorship scandals. No, mandatory is an ugly, anything mandatory. For me, I'm big into let people do what they want because anything mandatory will create the pendulum. I'm not talking about mandatory. I'm talking about opportunity. If you create the opportunity and make people feel loved, they'll do cool things. Those communities will grow. It is interesting how much it's changed uh, in my life growing up. Because I did grow up in a neighborhood where you kind of knew the surrounding people and you had them over for dinners and parties and stuff. 
And it's not like that anymore. What is going on? Isn't that so strange? I think it maybe makes- it's because we're yeah. It, you're right about the urban scape of it. It's definitely a city thing because city. You think the purpose like oh I wouldn't live in a city if I didn't work here, and that is exactly the definition of the city, is a place to just constantly be on the hustle, working and hustling. And so it is like a sort of like self-absorbed sort of zone to be in. And I feel like if like it's almost like what we were talking about the 24-hour workday. It's almost like having a block party with strangers that you don't know. You're wasting time. I could be working and networking in in the scene of the people that I Yeah, but what I know. But you are working. You could sell things to all the people. <laughs> That's cash on the table, Chris. It's cash on the table. Chris, it's cash on the table. I think that I think that your block party idea is perfect for insurance salesmen. <laughs> oh god. Oh, it's come back. It's come uh, back to serving the interests of consumer capitalism. That was society. two huge hours. Yeah. So if you guys listen to part 1 and you liked it enough oh, and you listen man. to part 2, Oh, Thanks man. so much. Is there anything lastly you want to say that we could do quickly? Honestly? Yeah. Yes. No. Honestly, there's so much more. There is so much more. I'm looking at his list. But, you know, you have to end somewhere. Yeah. We'll have you even on. Even if an... you don't want to. Even if you don't want it all to end. Don't tell a kid You got to teach me these ad blockers. Teach you the ad? Just man, Google will teach. Google teaches us all. I'll teach you the ad blockers. Is there an ad for ad blockers? <laughs> oh, uh, everything's uh, corrupt, man. Doesn't Adbusters magazine have ads in it now? <gasps> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't they always? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Pencils. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, did you have fun, though? Chris, I had a blast. That was like, yeah, that was heavy. There's a lot of grand ideas. Yeah. And some of them controversial. <gasps> but that's interesting because then it sparks people talking about the yeah. world we're in now. Yeah. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I look forward to listening uh, to more guests on it because I like when they challenge me. Yeah. Oh, no. There you go. Maybe someone will listen to this and come on directly just to challenge everything you said. Yeah. That'd be fun. Cool. Gee, I'd love to like do that. Find get the anti Peter on here, and just have him trash talk me the whole time. Did you listen to David Hetty's pod episode? No choice. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Out by the way, out there, if you want to start with one, David Hetty has a nice, clear vision. And yeah, it's a good food for thought episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. You already know that one. Yeah, well, then we're let's... definitely on opposite ends of the spectrum. That's what I thought. Yeah. Cool. Then we ended with a nice shout out to another episode. That's very nice. Yeah, I thought that was very organic. Any any last things you want to say? You're going to uh, overseas to teach uh, oh, yeah. children. Oh yeah, if you want to see me in the next month, just come to Beijing or Hong Kong. <laughs> I'm just teaching and traveling. Ho Chi Minh City, Phnom Penh. Oh, I, I shout out Cambodia, Phnom Penh, Siem Reap. Um, I think Go we there. have one Asian listener, so yeah. I don't know where they are exactly, but I'll have to check the. The statistics again, but yeah, cool. we might have one. Uh, also, you said when you come back, you're going to dive more into stand-up. Are you going to do? I el- am. Are you going to do Elephant Empire shows? I'm going to well? dive into doing more Elephant Empire in Toronto. I'm yeah. going to dive into stand-up. I saw now release the nominations for uh, best for best stand-up, mm-hmm. and I was like, that seems like a 
Simple, nice goal. I, I'm gonna. I'm announcing that I'm gonna get nominated. Did you know that I won that a few years ago? Of course, I, everyone knows that you won that. You deserve it every year. Okay. Are you listening out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's you a won. weird thing. You're. I. You're, you're very inspiring to me. That makes me. I was like, yeah, Chris really did it. I love the way that you. You did all that stand up, and then you recorded an album. Yeah, and lots of other people in the community are doing that now. And I was like, "Yeah, you really led the way on a really good, funny, fun move." If you're out there and you like comedy, keep doing it. Keep testing your material, and definitely work towards recording an album. And then you can share it with people across the land. What's your album called? The world is embarrassing. The world is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, man. I bought it the first day out. It was like Chris Locker Cornell. I couldn't be there. I was at Tolev's. Yeah. Yeah, that was another great one. Yeah, I heard it was great. I yeah. couldn't be there. Tim Gilbert put out an album. It's awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. it called? It's got the picture of him uh, like the it. I'm s- help me I'm sick. Help me I'm sick. I think yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love what's going on in Toronto and So comedy. you're rejuvenated now cuz you you're already known in this city as an amazing brilliant comedian and now you're known after these two episodes of the podcast as an ideasman. Just a windbag. I th- <laughs> like, oh, Peter, the windbag? Yeah. yeah. The windbag. The cloud is my hair. Uh, yeah. And then, so you're going to dive back into it more after this trip. I am. I look forward to seeing you Toronto so cool. back in August. Come check out Peter Stevens. Yeah. I'm sure if you Google me. There's good stuff. Yeah. And there's a motorcycle company called Peter Stevens, I think. So even if you buy a motorcycle for them, <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, everybody, if you're listening, buy a motorcycle. <laughs> All right, everyone. That was uh, the finale, uh, part two of uh, Peter Stevens on Utopia to Me. Thanks so much for listening. Peter, thanks so much again for coming on. It was a blast. Uh, I loved hanging out on the couch, drinking tons of tea with you and uh, talking about all your amazing ideas. And uh, yeah, I was literally exhausted after making these two episodes. I think I went to bed at 11 p.m. that night because we talked so much and it was really hearty. Guys, if you're listening uh, and you loved listening to Peter, follow him at underscore Peter Stevens on Twitter. And look, if you're in Toronto or, or... Maybe more other cities. Uh, check out his sketch troupe, Elephant Empire. They're like the best shows ever. And all the other actors and comedians in the sketch troupe are amazing. And Bernadette doesn't hate me. Uh, during uh, the podcast, she looked over and smiled at me. So that was very nice. Huge cat smile. And yeah, follow us at Utopia to Me and follow me at Chris Lock Fun. And that's all the uh, promo and what's up I'm going to say tonight because it's hot in here. I'm starting to sweat, so I feel like I should have a shower before I go to bed. Picture that in your imagination. Cold shower. Nighttime. Night shower. Doesn't that sound like a weird movie from the 70s? Night shower. Who's watching you scrub? Anyways, enjoy the planet. Enjoy your life. Uh, Thanks so much for listening again. Thank you. Thank you.